you're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbell. I initially started this podcast to learn more about the ins and outs of travel. Eventually, I discovered there's so much more to a person than where they go. My goal is to learn more from people who are going places. I've interviewed community leaders, entrepreneurs, veterans, authors, and experts who tell fascinating stories and give amazing advice. Thanks for tuning in, and I can't wait to see where you go. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbell, and today I have a very special guest. I'm talking to Shannon McCormick. Shannon is currently the programming advisor at the Center for the Arts in Jackson, Wyoming. He is also the founder of Jackson Hole Live, which is a summer concert series, and he's the owner of Live Event Strategies. So thank you for being on Going Places. Thanks, Kara. Good to, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Let's start from the very beginning. So you grew up, you had, do you consider yourself an underdog growing up in Wisconsin? <laughs> that's a good one. Growing up, Yeah. An underdog. That's good. I like that. That's yeah. That's, yeah. 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 Probably. Yeah. That's okay. good. Yeah. Sure. Underdog. Yeah. So like you grew it. up on a farm, right? Yeah. Small town, small farm. I don't know. Medium sized farm back there. Not not a big farm in Wyoming standards, but certainly a big farm in Wisconsin standards. My, uh, yeah, my dad did an amazing thing. Like we started with 80 acres and went to 120, maybe it's 140 now. And yeah, small town life and good living. Yeah. I did stores every Wednesday and Friday, I think maybe rode my bike out there. Cool. That's cool. So you also studied economics at University of Whitewater in University of Wisconsin, Whitewater. Yeah. What was that like? What, why economics? Why did you choose that? Wow, that's a good one. Uh, I think I, I, the economics department, Whitewater is kind of the business school of the state system. And um, you had a really, really good economics department, all kinds of uh, professors from all over the world. And I just I knew, I knew I was going to get a, a really good education basis because of the instruction was amazing hmm. and I knew and I didn't know enough about where I really wanted to go after that at the time I, I was pretty sure I wanted to go to law school which I cool. came maybe close to doing um huh. so it was a good uh it was a good start for that and I have a and I also I have a business degree in economics which is okay fairly rare most of them are science degrees I have a I have a business degree in, in economics what was your goal growing up like what was your you said law school but what why why did you go to business why did that kind of path lay out like that maybe this is a good place to say one thing because I think it started I think this idea sort of started way back then mm -hmm. that I somehow knew that I didn't need to necessarily have a a path or a plan. Okay. Like I just, I think I knew that by the age, I don't know, age maybe 18 or 19 or 20 or, I mean, law school was always in the back of my mind, but, uh, but I, but I also knew that if I, if I went to law school, I probably wouldn't practice law. Oh, I would probably just have the education, which I still would. I mean, I'd go back to law school in a minute if I didn't have to take that freaking LSAT test again. <laughs> that was awful. Yeah. That was awful. But 
So back to your question, I think the answer is that uh, um, goal, plan, never really had one. And I knew that I didn't need one. I just knew, I don't know. I just knew that I didn't need one because I, I think, I think that I always knew that if I saw a fork in the road, I would know which one to take. Mm. Do you have a good intuition with that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Very. Huh. So yeah. what, what drew you to move West then your gut? Uh, that, that was kind of an easy one. I suppose I, I think you know this story, but <clears throat> if you don't, um, my parents, this crazy strict Catholic, you know, Irish Catholic parents somehow said yes to this question when I was 16 years old. It's amazing that they, I've, I've told my mom and dad this a million times that I just thank them for this yes answer over and over. But so we're 16 years old and me and my friend Kevin Elliott and Phil Popke, we're, we're all skiers, you know, back at Mosquito Hill, right? And and a little bit of Rib Mountain and a little bit of up north. And we somehow wanted to go to Jackson Hole for a week of skiing over like spring break, 16 years old. And Phil Popke had a 1961 Ford van with a like a six-cylinder engine in it that sat right between the seats of the, the front seats of the van, three on the tree. And... And we said, hey, we want to drive to Jackson Hole and ski for a week. And we'll just like live in the parking lot, you know, <laughs> money. And so they said, that sounds adventurous. Like, Go for it. Wow. <laughs> like all of our parents were said yes. And we we didn't ask twice. And so we just went and we did exactly that. We had, yeah, we came out and skied for a week. And, and I just knew where I knew where I'd land. So you always wanted to go to Jackson. It wasn't. Yeah. And and oddly enough, I oddly enough, um, oddly enough, I ended up starting in Summit County, Colorado. Oh, OK. Just it was a because it was an easier, <clears throat> like an easier entry. It was an easier landing for a kid. Yeah. 21. Right. It was just an easier place to land. It was big infrastructure there in terms of condo complexes and and uh, and they and they welcomed kids from the Midwest. Hmm. <clears throat> they loved Midwestern kids. And so it was just like an easy job to get. And I, and I did. And then I, I didn't last very long. I, I, it was like just too much, too much being around a whole bunch of other 21 year old kids. And I was a property manager for a short time and I had a staff of like 20 housekeepers and 20 maintenance guys. And it was just kind of a, it was, it was fun for a little bit, but then I took a hiatus from my job mm -hmm. And I was going to spend a month in Yosemite, which I did hmm. climbing. I lived in camp four for a month, like wow. with long and all the famous climbers. Like we were all right around me. I wasn't a famous, I wasn't any kind of famous climber. I wasn't even a good climber. I was an okay <laughs> climber. But I uh, did that. And then I was going to spend yeah. a month in Jackson. Okay. Did. And then I was going to spend a month in Banff. Ooh, Okay. But then I, yeah, but then I walked into the Manji, <laughs> into the Manji Moose one day in like late May of that summer and i thought that they didn't, they didn't call them servers back then they were called cocktail waitresses back then mm -hmm. cocktail waitress <clears throat> at the moose that day it was just a babe and i was like oh my god i'm gonna I have to go get a job there for sure. <laughs> <clears throat> because if i get a job there i'm gonna meet her right that's so funny yeah i'm gonna meet her if i get a job there so i this is funny i was living yeah i was living out of my 1976 Toyota land cruiser on oh, spalding okay. bay on spalding bay on jackson lake 
in late <laughs> May. Like the water temperature is probably 48 or 52 or some crazy wow. thing. And I jumped in Jackson Lake to take a shower. <laughs> but yeah, I was in the water for maybe about 11 seconds. No, not that. <laughs> I might like seven seconds. I was able to wash my hair and rinse it out. And I then I went back to my land cruiser and I put on a this is hilarious. I put on a white shirt and a tie. <laughs> I dressed myself in front of my side view mirror of my land cruiser. And I drove back down to the Mangy Moose and and interviewed for a job at the Mangy Moose Saloon with a white shirt and a tie on. This is back in the day of the skinny, you wouldn't remember, but there were skinny, yeah. like uh skinny ties that were like knit. <laughs> like a knit tie they were square bottom <clears throat> i mean i remember if i could see it today I'd, I'd pick it out in a minute it was huh. anyway and <laughs> so i interviewed for a job at the moose i went back the next day and they said well you got a job as a bartender and i was like wow that's cool and then i would start telling my friends i got a job at the Meiji moose my new friends here i just was here yeah. not long and they're like no 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 no. you didn't get a job bartender at the Meiji moose nobody gets a job Bar. they have like there's five guys at 10 bar there and that's it wow. <clears throat> you you know no you're probably a bar back or something like no i don't know they told me i was going to be a bartender and uh, no 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 unless you're related to somebody there pat or jim i, I don't didn't meet those guys I met a guy named stevie yeah it was the best job in the valley like bar yeah no better job in the valley what no. are the stories you heard from that you must have like oh, known God. everyone i mean that's oh, that's where the yeah, culture yeah. lies oh. Of course, that's how you learn. That's how you learn to know everyone. You get a bartender, Major yeah. Moose, absolutely. Huh? That's crazy. So I, knew, I knew everyone in town for my first four months here. Everybody, okay. wow. Everybody went to the Moose. Yeah. So as a bartender, I think for maybe just only one season, and then they made me like the co-bar manager mm-hmm. with another guy from Wisconsin. Interesting. Oh. Spec, who my mom and dad know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Spec. And so we were like co-bar managers for a season. And then I begged them to take over the music scene. And mm. they just got sick of me asking. They finally said, yes. <laughs> Did you always have a love for music? Oh, yeah. I mean, I played, you know, of course. You played drums, right? Yeah. I, mean, I was a drummer. And I played bass for a short time. I played piano when oh. I was a little kid, you know. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Your mom's <laughs> a music teacher, right? Yeah, 50 years, you know, in the same school system, K through six. Crazy. Okay. Yeah. So you had a background of music. Oh, yeah. Huh. My dad played music as well. He always bragged he played music on the radio. <laughs> oh. That's funny. I love that. Do you still play instruments now? Mm, no, no. Okay. No, I sat behind. It's funny. I sat down behind a drum kit about 10 or 15 years ago thinking that like it was like riding a bike. Yeah. I thought it was like right. I was with a band and I was with one of my one of my bands that played the moose in, in Denver. And their oh, cool. baby. And I was just they were rehearsing. And there were, you know, pretty straight ahead rock and roll song coming up next. And I was like, oh, let me sit down. Oh, I'd love to. And I sat down and I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> not like riding a bike. Yeah. Not, not like riding a bike. I was embarrassed. That's, so it was awesome. That's awesome. I So I played trumpet in high school. And I can only I, remember the percussion section was the loudest yeah, section yeah, yeah, to sit in yeah. front of. Like, I would always get a headache just from right, them. Right, so right, I can only right. think of that. Yeah, you guys were. I was in the back. I remember that. Yeah, I played in concert band and okay. marching band and jazz. We had a really good jazz band in high school. Really good, mostly because we had an amazing uh, jazz band instructor who is still a friend. He, he oddly enough, he moved to 
Matitsi, Wyoming, oh. about 20 years ago, and we stay in touch. And yeah. Friends with my parents and everything. And yeah. Hmm. So yeah. how did you see Jackson change throughout the years as you 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 were in the hub of it at the Mangy Moose? So you must have seen the entire culture just shift. Yeah, you know, I uh, that's an interesting one. I answer that one way differently than most people in Jackson would way differently okay. until now. So for 35 years, let's say people ask me that question. Boy, you must have seen a lot of change in Jackson all over the years from 1985 to 2018 19 2019 and my answer would be like uh, i don't know not kmart's still in the same place as it was when i moved here yeah after jay's been there the whole time i've lived here um Pretty much most of the business on the, on the town square have been the same. Some rotate a little bit, you know, from what one rubber tomahawk store to another. Mm. Um, you know, town square is still in the same place. Grocery stores are basically still in the same place. And so my answer to that for a lot of years was, no, nah, I haven't really seen much change. I mean, there's never been any available land to build on, so that doesn't change mm. either. It's not like there's not like there's new houses going up. Yeah. Unless you scrape the old one. Okay. You know, it's not like yeah. there's new, many new business buildings going up, some south of town. Okay. But for a lot of years, I, I would be the one that would be like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, maybe some change. <laughs> yeah. Huh. And then, and then, you know, and then COVID happened and everyone, their brother wanted to live here and, and anyone that, and any one of those people that could afford it just did. They just moved here. Okay. So now... Now it's different. Okay. Now, different. now we have Shooting Star, and now we have um, REI instead of a little organic grocery store, and now we have a fancy Target instead of Kmart. Yeah. A fancy Target. It's like a Jackson Hole Target or something. I don't know. I don't okay. know. Okay. Like it's it's way different than any Target that I've ever been in. Interesting. Uh, not that I'm not in Target very often, but so now. <laughs> Yeah, now now twenty twenty two, summer of twenty twenty two versus nineteen eighty five. Yes, lots of change, lots of yeah. Has the ski but, culture know. changed at all? Like, have uh, you noticed the skiing or the people skiing change? Well, I mean, COVID changed skiing because just you know mm -hmm. masks and lift line arrangements <laughs> and you know mask enforcement and all that stuff. Um, yeah. But no, I don't. Yeah, the ski, not the skiing culture hasn't changed so much. Skiing itself has changed a ton. Okay. Because of, I mean, this is kind of an aside, but skiing has changed a ton because of shaped skis, mm. parabolic skis, whatever you want to call them. That changed. That changed the game. Totally changed the game. Easy, easy analogy there would be, you know, thirty-five or thirty-eight years ago or whatever. If you were going to go skiing with somebody at the village at Jackson Hole Mountain Resort. Uh, or ski corp we called it at the time um you had to have a conversation with that person saying hey you know let's go up you know thunder um if we get up there can you ski amphitheater is that you know are you qualified to ski amphitheater or the grand or or something something or you know if you want to take a tram if you 
Mm-hmm. That's a big question. You know, take a tram, you got to, you're committed to skiing the bowl and that's the thing. Well, it's steep and it's long and, it's <laughs> and sometimes really bumpy. Huh. So you always had that quite, you always had that question. You always had that conversation sort of with it, with a, with someone that you didn't ski with before. Okay. All these different levels. There was mm-hmm. expert skiers and intermediate skiers and beginner skiers and really beginner skiers. And nowadays you almost don't need to have that conversation anymore because of the technology, the equipment. Mm. Now you can, you, I mean, you, you might identify, you know, someone who's definitely not from here wearing a outfit from that's not from here. And you can maybe tell their beginner skier, by the way they carry their skis and you may mm-hmm. have to have that conversation with that person. But anyone who knows how to carry their skis and how to walk to the lift without falling down and has the right gear in their hands, you kind of know that you and that person could ski together most places on the mountain. Okay. Yeah. What was that? What was it like skiing Jackson for the first time? Was it? We were 16. (laughs) I mean, when we were 16, it was like, holy crap. Like I went from Mosquito Hill to Jackson Hole. Yeah. Went from the smallest, tiniest, tiniest ski area in the country, I'm sure, to the biggest and baddest, like huh. in 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 a minute. Were you scared? Oh God. You no. have fear. No. Oh, I was 16. No? I was 16. Uh, yeah. And I was already a good skier because I skied a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, not no, no scared. No, no, no scared. You just mm-hmm. you're that age you just bounce if you even do fall down (laughs) that's funny so what is it like when you moved out there how you were pretty adventurous you worked as a fly fishing guide right what was it like living the outdoor lifestyle oh man it was the best i mean it was it was the best best i mean i was a you know i mean i lived the outdoor lifestyle in, in new london wisconsin Kinda, you know, I was building yeah. little BMX bikes when I was twelve or fourteen years old, and <clears throat> you know, riding bikes all over the place and huh. learning how to do wheelies and skiing all winter, skiing at night. You know, we could ski at night. I think it was a buck to get a lift ticket at night at Mosquito Hill, maybe a dollar. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So I was living. I was at living that lifestyle when I was really young because my yeah. parents were just so cool, right? They were just yeah. so freaking cool. They just let us do whatever. Yeah. You had to be like home after school to say hi to mom at 315 when she'd still start telling Johnny stories from teaching all day and then she'd play <laughs> piano and sing for three hours and then make us dinner at like 630. Mm-hmm. And then you just go out and play till dark 30 every night. I mean, every, yeah, it was awesome. So I was already living that lifestyle when I was a kid, I think is the yeah. easy answer to that so it just got bigger and steeper and rockier yeah yeah what's your craziest story just being outside in jackson because there's some pretty gnarly wildlife i mean you you see some things yeah you see some things that's a <laughs> i don't know i don't know if i can answer that one that one that's a that's like yeah i've seen a lot huh. um, craziest story being outside in jackson um yeah, I mean, there that'd be a laundry list of, I don't know, watching moose fight in my backyard. Oh. Yeah, I, I think I'll come back to that one and maybe answer that one either today or another day. <laughs> I, mean, I haven't, you know, yeah, you might have to hone in on like a, a, a creature, like, a you know, a, 
a mountain lion or uh, or a grizzly bear or. <laughs> or Have a... you seen them all? Yes. Oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. That's scary. Yeah. That's crazy. I've had four mountain lion sightings, if you can imagine that. Ooh. All of them were really good. Two were together. Two, two oh. cats were together. And then, and then, yeah. And then two singles. And they're all like really fun stories for someone. <laughs> that's awesome yeah that's close crazy. up close and personal all, all four of them yeah that's yeah. crazy tell me your grizzly bear story what you got oh i don't have any i don't have any well all right i have one yeah i have one close encounter yeah okay yeah i have one close encounter <laughs> this is a good one yeah i'm i'm in this is guiding this is fish guiding time i wasn't guiding that day but i was up um living on hebgen lake in montana southwestern montana Okay. Really famous, you know, sort of fly fishing lake, which I wish I could go to today. I'd, I'd go in a minute. But I had a day off, and our boss, Kurt, I always used to say, on your day off, go fishing somewhere, but go don't go fishing somewhere where you know. Go somewhere where you don't know, because you mm -hmm. want to have a lot of junk in your trunk. That's mm -hmm. That was his thing. Have a lot of junk in your trunk to take your client. So, Oh, smart. I, de I decided to go up this little, at these beaver ponds, like in between Quake Lake and Hebgen Lake. There's these beaver ponds, and then there's a little stream that that dumps into the beaver ponds. And so I just take a leisurely drive up in my truck with my dog, Montana. His name is Montana. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I take a, a little ride up this little creek, little two-track road. I'm up there maybe five or six miles. And I'm in grizzly bear country. I know that I'm in grizzly bear country. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's grizzly bear country. I'm not in the park, but it, it's grizzly country. Yeah. I'm being, you know, mindful of that, you know, making no, trying to make noise going into the creek. I park my truck on the right. little road, <clears throat> walk to the creek. I know it's only, you know, half mile or quarter mile, not, not far, far through this mm -hmm. forest. Um, Montana's a golden retriever is a hunting dog, you know, bred and hunting dog. Um, okay. He's pretty young at the time. Yeah. He's probably. I don't know, two, three, four, five, yeah, two, three, four years old, something like that, probably. And so we get into the creek, and uh, it's really small creek, easy to huh. easy to navigate. Like it's yeah. maybe fifteen feet wide, hmm. I would say, in most parts. So when you're looking for fish to look for a place to fish with clients or whatever, you you will just want to find the fish. Yeah. And so this is a small enough creek where. You could see them if they were there. <clears throat> you have polarized glasses on, baseball cap, you pull it all down, you do it like this, you know, put your hands around your eyes and and just stare into the creek. And if you walk, you know, upstream, so you're behind the fish, fish are always facing upstream, mm -hmm. you can sneak up on them and be able to see them as long as you're good at sneaking and, and you know, not being, you know, making a bunch of noise or whatever. So I'm walking mm -hmm. up the stream looking for at these pools trying to find some fish and and all of a sudden i'm like tripping over my dog like oh. weird because he's pretty well trained but i'm kind of tripping over him because i look down now and realize that he's on point oh and i was like huh that's weird like he rarely gets like on point he's like hard and fast on point like oh. he's not like i could i could about just trip over him and he's not going to move and I'm like, that's bizarre. And I look, <laughs> like, I look down at him and see him on point. And I look across the creek, 
and there's a grizzly bear on its hind on its hind, oh. its hind legs on the other side of the creek, about equidistant from us. Oh. So maybe maybe I don't know, not far, 40, 40 feet tops. Oh my gosh! Like really close, and oh. and on on his or her hind legs, mm -hmm. checking us out. And I was like, wow, okay, here we go. <laughs> I just, uh, and I'm still not like totally freaked out because, because it felt to me like, I mean, I remember this, like it was yesterday. It felt to me like, we'll just call her she. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, was saying, okay, this is going to be my side of the creek and this is going to be your side of the creek. And if we have that understanding, everyone's going to be okay. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I got that. I, I got that understanding. So oh. I, you know, I did all the right things. I made sure that I didn't make eye contact with her. Huh. Like I say, Montana was very well trained. So I just said, Montana heel. Oh. And I started to, this was odd for him because, because healing would usually be walking forwards. But in this case, I had to walk backwards for a while to make sure, <clears throat> you know, that I wasn't get, going to get the chase. And so I walked backwards until like we got to the woods and she was still uh, with the understanding that that was her side of the Creek and this was our side of the Creek. And we had this agreement. It was great. And, it was great. And, I, and then I got to the woods where I could sort of turn around and put, you know, put my dog on heel again. And he was really good. He was really, wow. really good. He just paid attention to me like all the time. Huh. So he stayed on heel all the way through the woods where I, you know, sort of picked up the pace, uh, a little bit when I figured I was probably going to be safe and got to the, and this is the funny part. I got to the road and I couldn't remember or couldn't really tell if my truck was upstream or downstream because I couldn't see it. Could be upstream by like quarter mile could be down, oh. but I know close. And I think I, if I remember right, I picked the right direction. Oh. I, probably, I probably had some pretty good instinct, you know, and I picked the right direction. Yeah. I got my truck and got Montana loaded up and, and then I felt like King Kong. I was really tough then. Now, <laughs> now I really want to see that grizzly bear in my truck. In your truck. <laughs> Motor fired up and the windows rolled up. Wow. I... <laughs> That's and, crazy. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a good that was a good one. <gasps> Let's yeah. dive into your role now, just at Center for the Arts. So what is the crazy what is the fastest time you've had to put together a concert? And and to back up just for a second, so I was the yeah. I am the yeah my 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 role there now is programming advisor, it's like a mm -hmm. contract sort of job. I was the programming director from I think like twenty maybe twelve or twenty thirteen to twenty twenty, and then when I left, they um, asked me to stay in as an advisor, okay. which is really fun. I really enjoyed my time. I mean, it's been amazing. Huh. I think I'm on my third like six month stint uh wow as, um it's been really good and, and and yeah it's been really good i really enjoy it and that the the new the new leadership at the center right now is just amazing this guy named marty camino mm -hmm. i'm known as marty l camino <laughs> that's what i was thinking that's yeah. awesome cool is, yeah he's really he's just the he's just the best he's bass player that's bass player extraordinary he plays electric bass and stand-up and he pays he wow. plays stand-up right-handed and electric left-handed imagine that's that wild 
That's crazy. interesting. I, yeah. Not, I don't know if I've ever known anyone in my life that. No. That's, that's just really interesting. That's the beginning of his skill set. He's just an amazing leader and just huh. a decision maker. And and uh, we just, we get along just cool. dandy. Yeah. So how, how has the season been this summer? Because you put on a lot of concerts. I went to um, Dwayne Betts and his friends. But what what has it been like for you this summer? It's been a great, it's been an amazing summer for me. Amazing. I got here, uh, I got back to town on July 10th. It's now what, August 19th, I think. Yeah. I think I've seven, I think I've had seven big events, like really big <clears throat> events that I, that I had to attend to. Um, wow. Is that a lot? I mean, when they're this big, when they're, I mean, they're not, and they're, you know, people outside the world who are from New York or Denver or, or San Francisco or whatever. I, I don't, I'm not, when I say big, I don't mean big compared to a big in a city, mm-hmm. but big for a little town of 12 or 15,000 people. I think my first show was just a little, a little private thing that I had to be at at the center on July 12th, um, which was the first night I got to hear our brand new PA, which is ama- an amazing evening just to... Cool. It's a whole nother story. Yeah. Um, and then the 13th was our center benefit, annual center benefit show, which was like a whole nother like life-changing experience of coming back to town and seeing all my friends after not seeing them for a while. And we had an yeah. amazing show that night. Sierra Farrell. Um, and then uh, my ne- my very next events were the Dwayne Betts and his friends shows on top, top of a mountain. Yeah, yeah on top of <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, which we'd obviously never been done before. And it was just a whole event that had been in the works for not that long of a time. Like maybe, okay. maybe we put all that together in maybe two and a half months, three months, something like that. Yeah. It wasn't long, it wasn't a long uh window of time. It was mm-hmm. yeah, Ryan Stanley probably called me in early february maybe with the idea of doing something at the base of snow king since hmm. that jackson alive wasn't going to be a thing anymore okay. or not not anymore since say that but what we knew that jackson alive wasn't going to have a 2022 season okay so ryan said we got to do something we just got to huh. make the town happy with some outside music um let's at least do a show or two and i said cool that'd be that'd be fun give me something to work on and you know, kind of six months of not doing much of anything, being half retired is mm. enough for then and wanted to do some stuff. So we, a band wasn't coming along right away, which is kind of odd for me. I can usually find a band with the right thing for the right date, for the right money pretty quick. And yeah, wasn't, that wasn't, just wasn't happening. A couple of weeks went by and, and then I had a note, I saw a, a, something in my feed I forget if it was jam. I think it was jam base, jam base or relics or Polestar or something that said uh, Almond Betts band to take hiatus. Wow. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. I know those characters. I've done shows with, you know, most of the band. And then I got thinking, God, I wonder if that means that my new friend, Dwayne Betts, is going to have a little free time on his hands. Mm. Dwayne had moved here and he lived fairly close by so i'd been seeing him a fair bit mm-hmm. on the bike path or whatever we were becoming friends and so i called him and i said hey Dwayne, what do you think about doing one of my curated shows and and he's like what do you mean by that i said well i've done 
you know, five or six of these things, I think five, maybe mm-hmm. where I just put together a bunch of people that don't normally play together and we'll do it at snow King. And I said, you, am I thinking right that you might have a little extra time on your hands these days with the big announcement? He's like, as a matter of fact, I do. And, mm. I, and I'd be honored. And he was like all excited, like really quickly. He's like, oh my God, I, this sounds like a blast. Like, let's, let's do it. Let's make a band. And yeah, so it took us a bit, you know, we had, we had the rhythm section is my first curated show. That's a, with a rhythm section, which is fun. Oh, cool. First bass and drums. And yeah. so, so I made that the mission to get the bass player and drummer quickly, which we did Cody Dickinson, North Mississippi all-stars and, cool. and uh, Barry Dwayne Oakley, you know, Almond brothers sort of family. And so we had that locked down relatively quickly. And we got Luther Dickinson, which is also key. Luther's an amazing, amazing human friend. <laughs> musician um so we had a we had a band within uh, four days or something we had a, wow. a band a band yeah you know, guitars two guitars bass and drums yeah then uh and then we started to fill you know round out the rest of the lineup and we got um i think lamar williams jr shortly thereafter they really wanted to have lamar be the singer hmm. that was all the whole almond brothers catalog and half the dead catalog and he's an ama- another amazing human new friend cool i have a man crush on that guy <laughs> amazing that's awesome and, uh, and then we got nikki bloom we need mm-hmm. knew we need to have a girl in the band so we got nikki <laughs> um, she's done numerous shows for me in the past she's a very cool okay person and obviously very good at what she does um yeah. johnny statula came along relatively early the slide specialist those guys really want luther and Dwayne really wanted to have johnny in the band so that was an easy one cool Keys took us a Keys was fun. Uh, Keys took us a while. It was it was interesting. We, we had a pretty good look, list of Keys guys. I uh, a long chat with John Modesky one day. Was, he was really fun to catch up with. He Modesky Martin Wood used to be doing these amazing shows at the Mangy Moose back in the day, and he remembered <laughs> that, of course. And cool. In the end, he couldn't do it. He had to. He had all these COVID makeup shows in oh. Europe. He had to go do, and he was bombed. He he wants to be asked asked again for sure. Okay. He couldn't do it, and. We thought about talking to Billy Payne from Little Feed, who lives, you know, close by now. He lives up in Paradise Valley, and huh. and a few Booker T was on our list. Uh, never, I don't think I ever called him. Uh, okay. Anyway, Luke, then Luther one day says, "Hey, this is here's one for you for keys that no one's thinking about because he's not necessarily known as a keys guy, but Jackie Green." And mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh my god, oh my god, <laughs> oh like absolutely Jackie Green, like one thousand percent." Yeah. But I told the story to Luther. I said, when 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 Michelle and I are sitting in the living room during COVID, we watch a lot of Jackie Green live streams from his house or his studio. Yeah. Or, you know. Cool. And, and every time, and we said, and I said, every time he gets up from his piano or his organ to go grab a guitar, me and Michelle are like, no, 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 no. Sit back, <laughs> sit back down. No, no. It's like, I mean, we love him on guitar too, but yeah. God, just amazing behind keys. Like just... Cool. So I, so this is funny. So I call, so I'm, I'm like, Luther, I'm hanging up. I'm calling Jackie Green like now. <laughs> and so, so I call Jackie like minutes later. I, we're sort of friends. I have him on my phone. Mm-hmm. And I said, Hey, Jackie, I got a really cool idea. What do you think of playing with Dwayne Betts and Johnny Statula and Cody and Luther? And, and I, and I, what are the dates? I said, they're July 16th and 17th in Jackson. He goes, Oh my God, I'm in Bozeman on the 14th. And I think I'm wide open on the weekend. 
Wow. And I was like, for reals? And he goes, oh, yeah, I think so. And I said, he said, give me an hour to sort it out. And I said, cool, call me back. If you don't call me back in an hour, I'm calling you back. Because this is <laughs> true. And we connected an hour later and he said, I'm good. Cool. Um, and then he said, and then he said this. And then he said, uh, yeah, I'll look, I'll start looking for flights right now. And I'm like, uh, no, 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 you, no, you don't fly from Bozeman to Jackson. Huh. It would take about two days and, and it wouldn't be fun. Oh, and geez. Yeah. Yeah. So no, 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 no. We'll, we'll get you, a, we'll get you a driver or you can rent a car or whatever, but it's the yeah. most gorgeous drive in the lower 48 from cool to Jackson. It takes four hours, three and a half hours, four hours. Oh, that's not bad at all. So there's another funny part of the story. So I, I struggle for a little bit finding a driver. And then somebody, one of my friends suggests this kid named, or I, I didn't know at the time, but this, this person named Hamilton McDaniel. <laughs> <laughs> did you meet Hamilton? I did. He's yeah, a yeah, fiery yeah, 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 redhead. Yeah, right. I yeah, met him yeah. when he woke up in his car. He like <laughs> slept at night in his car. And then I saw him just like get out of bed in his pajamas. <laughs> So so someone suggests Hamilton McDaniel to bring Jackie Green from Bozeman to, to Jackson. And I'm like, cool. The name like that is I, I'm I'm good. I'm just on based on name and, and yeah. reference, you know. I get this guy, Hamilton McDaniel, on the phone, and I have no idea if I'm talking to a like a 15-year-old kid with a learner's permit. <laughs> 20-year-old college kid or a 50-year-old yeah. man or an 80-year-old retired guy that loves me. I have no idea. But I signed, I said, I said, Hamilton, can, uh, can, I'm told you can fetch Jackie Green on the morning of the 15th and get him down to Jackson. And Hamilton McDaniel said this to me. He said, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. That's what he said. I'm uh -huh. like, wow, cool. Like I'm almost done. Like this is almost just done. I said, and then I said, um, Jackie smokes a lot of weed. Are you going to be good with that? And he goes, yes, sir. <laughs> and I said, so if I exchange phone up, if I put a group text together with me and you and Jackie Green, can you sort a time to pick up Jackie Green on the morning of the 15th and get him to Jackson? by that afternoon and Hamilton McDaniel said yes sir <laughs> and I said okay bye <laughs> and I hung up the phone so and I knew that Jackie Green would be delivered by two or three o'clock on the 15th and he was awesome that's so when I meet when I meet 22 year old Hamilton McDaniel this <laughs> crazy red hair sticking out from under his hat yeah and and oh my god the rest of that is sort of history god he's like the most amazing assistant like <laughs> ended up hanging out. i don't know if you even know this but he ended up hanging out he didn't have a plan at all i just told no. him to bring i think i maybe texted him and said bring a sleeping bag and a, <laughs> a tent or whatever if you can hang for a few days or something yeah he shows up, up in this big ass suburban you know that his mm -hmm. parents had given him for college so he had his sleeping accommodations all sorted you know uh -huh for parking lot life and uh <laughs> he, he hung out for like six days oh my god he's just at my side for like six days like god i gotta get a like you know is there any way you can get a bag of ice to that yeti cooler at camperland yes sir and he'd peel off <laughs> he'd peel off and like and you know 
half yeah. an hour later, he shows back up at my side and I know what has been done. Like that oh. job is covered. And, you know, hey, is there any chance you could run to the 49er and get, you know, Nikki Bloom for a sound check? Yes, sir. And he peels off. Yeah. And, like, cool. Amazing, like five or six days of, of having this kid around. I got to love him. That's awesome. He's got one more year of school. Okay. <clears throat> he really wants to go, go to work for Gibson Guitar. Oh, cool. He's a guitar yeah. player as well. Pretty good mm. one. And uh, he really wants to go to work for Gibson. But yeah. I'd really like to have him come down and just be my assistant. <laughs> That's what he's born to do, in my opinion. <laughs> That's the most awesome. amazing humans I've met in a long, long, long time. Yeah. I only yeah. have two more questions left. Um, <clears throat> this question comes from just meeting you for the first time because you had a hat that was like this big. <laughs> How many hats do you own, Shannon McCormick? Uh, oh, I own a lot of hats. They're mostly, <laughs> mostly, mostly baseball caps for fishing in our okay. land. But I only own, <clears throat> I only own three cowboy hats. I have a nice mm -hmm. straw one I just got recently in Missoula, <laughs> um, or Bend, Bend. Yeah, maybe Bend. Yeah, Bend. Okay. Um, and then I have a nice cowboy, really nice cowboy hat, uh, like a nice felt hat that i got to wear the other night and then i had then my big hat okay anywhere i only wear my big hat for my shows that are outdoors because it makes it easy and i only wear it for one re well, two reasons really to keep the sun off me because i'm outside for 18 hours a day uh -huh. <clears throat> so that people can find me oh okay easy for the cops to find me yeah. it's easy for the musicians to find me it's easy for you know vendors to find me and and it just works so yeah. that's awesome that's yeah. so funny. And you can yeah. socially distanced. Uh, yeah. Somebody, I was at, <clears throat> I was at Targi Fest one time with my big hat on. I got, not Targi Fest, some, I was somewhere in the mosh pit yeah. with my hat on. And, uh, and, and someone said, God, Shannon, all you need to do is like put some razor wire around the edge of that thing. And you have your, you have your own dance floor. Like, <laughs> like one, you know, one round of razor wire at the very yeah. end of that thing and you are golden and that's awesome <laughs> wherever you wherever you go that's so funny that's funny. awesome yeah, yeah. cool stuff so my last question i ask every guest um and it's my favorite question if you could go anywhere in the world where would you not go <laughs> oh wow anywhere in the, i have gone to many places in the world i was I was a pretty good traveler there for a lot of years. I filled a couple of passports. Where would I not go? <laughs> That's um, cool. Right this minute, anyway. I would just this just comes to mind. Uh, right this minute, anyway. I don't know that I'd want to go to Moscow. Mm. I think Have Moscow, you been to Moscow? No, no. Oh. I spent. I did work in Russia for a year. Oh, um, wow. Way up in the Arctic Circle. Yeah, I, <sighs> I really cool Atlantic salmon fishing camp. Huh. Really cool. like. The, coolest one in the world in, in my opinion the pinoy okay um so i, I got and i got to spend a, a week in st petersburg which is okay. really fun in the middle of summer there's like a lull in the middle of summer and they let us out of camp for huh on a big ass helicopter and fly for four hours to, to murmansk and then jump on a plane and yeah it was really cool hmm. love st petersburg is amazing i had some amazing conversations in downtown st petersburg over the course of a week mm -hmm. two sisters that uh we're like five years apart and so one grew up under 
con or formative years under communism and other sister wow. formative years under democracy interesting yeah, yeah it was a fa i met them for like four mornings in a row for coffee hmm. um, they probably have crazy just, stories just, yeah yeah oh my god it was just yeah mind bending where would you go so now, yeah where, <clears throat> no i mean yeah i'll answer that I'll, I'll leave it at that moscow right now i don't know i don't know if there's anywhere that i wouldn't go regularly because i'm a pretty adventurous person yeah if but you could I, go anywhere I, right I, now where would you end up uh for fun for for like yeah. a vacation or anything <clears throat> probably bali oh yeah okay cool Dwayne's, Dwayne's wife uh lisa hadley betts um does a lot of work in bali she builds really cool one-of-a-kind jewelry and and cool and and she's said nothing about but cool things about bali so i mean i know it's an expensive place to go and i usually don't go to expensive places to go because <laughs> i'm in the music business and i don't have any money but <laughs> but but i'd go to bali for if lisa and Dwayne would invite me for like a long weekend i would probably i'd probably go to bali cool well thank you so much for being on the show thanks Kara. <laughs> awesome that was my interview with shannon mccormick i hope you enjoyed his amazing stories it was such a pleasure having him on the show and just hearing about his incredible adventures in jackson hole and beyond if you like this episode, I encourage you to check out my other interviews. I have amazing guests, and the stories they tell are just so fascinating. You can also reach out to me on all social media channels. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I can't wait to see where you go. Bye!